The following program is an original WWE podcast. Coming up, he is synonymous with NXT, and today he's chatting with us on ATB. Johnny Gargano's here. Plus, you've seen him on your TV, the silver screen, and the stand-up stage. But today, Ron Funches joins us to talk about his love of the squared circle. ATB starts now. Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, plus one more year around the sun. I made it. I think I'm nine years beyond my projection. Congratulations, me. Feel free to send me belated birthday wishes at WWE Graves or send me whatever mean stuff you've been sending anyway. As you were, it's more fun. I'm not letting it bother me. We've got a good show today. We are going to celebrate sports entertainment, WWE and beyond, because I'm allowed to do that, damn it. So let's not waste any more time. You can find this man each and every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the USA Network. He is the heart and soul of NXT, Johnny Gargano. Johnny, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Absolutely fantastic. I'm here at the Performance Center right now, actually, so ready to go. I like to have this mental image of you that is never not in a wrestling ring. As long as I've known you, it's always been in a wrestling environment. Uh, We've had very few interactions beyond, occasionally like a catering or in the hallway passing once in a blue moon. But uh, I like to think that Johnny Wrestling really lives up to the name and never leaves the ring. Pretty much. uh, I'm actually in like a conference room right now at the Performance Center, and I'm looking at a bunch of pictures. There's a picture of Undertaker. Uh, with Paul Bear, there's a picture of Shawn Michaels, a picture of Stone Cold Steve Austin, Bret Hart. So that's that's I, I'm very entrenched in the wrestling world. Uh, so you can normally find me, yeah, like you mentioned, in a wrestling ring or in a wrestling uh, conference room filled with pictures of various people half naked. <laughs> it's funny to me. I, I have a lot of guests on here, and we sort of take a trip down memory lane and realize just how long we've known each other. It's had to have been what Forever. 10 12 years i mean i re- yeah. remember the west park party pavilion in uh cleveland for aiw and probably even before that with with jt's company you know yep i remember that in cleveland i also remember iwc in pittsburgh right uh right. so i we we did a bunch of stuff there as well uh but yeah i think we've known each other gotta be i've been wrestling for like 15 years so it's uh, i've had to at least seen you or we've we've interacted probably it's a 12 years is probably a good estimate. It's really wild when you think about it. And everybody takes their own journey and, and goes around the world to get, you know, where they want to be. But you're here. You are setting the world on fire along with the rest of the black and yellow brand. Let me ask you this. As, as someone who really cut their teeth within the WWE bubble as a member of NXT, what have been some of the biggest changes since NXT's become a weekly live show versus when they used to just record things at full sale? Things are just a whole lot faster. I think uh, before you'd kind of have a week where you'd have all your TV prep, you would do maybe I say four up three to four episodes and one full sale taping. Now you're kind of, you kind of got to be on every single week. Now, now it's not just, okay, I'm gonna do this TV film four episodes and you're disconnected for a month here. It's every single Wednesday night. We kind of got to go out there and give our all and you got to be prepared for anything. And that, I think that's the biggest change is before you kind of knew what was coming. Now things can kind of change on a week to week basis. 
So things are a whole lot faster and just changing all the time. So you had a, a cup of coffee, if you will, on uh, Raw and SmackDown, along with Champa and a couple other members of the NXT roster. How would you compare? I don't compare even know if it was a cup of coffee. I don't know if that was a cup of coffee. <laughs> 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 I don't think it wasn't lying along. You were at least standing in front of the coffee shop. Let's say that. Yes. Okay. Okay. I went to the door. I mobile ordered. You, I mobile ordered, but I didn't pick it up. Right. <laughs> at least you found Starbucks. But uh, how, how does how does that compare and contrast to what NXT's become now? Um, I'd say it's it's very different. Maybe it's just because I'm I'm so entrenched in the NXT system, and I have known uh, our basically our writing staff, our creative team, everyone who all the camera guys, everyone who works backstage, plus. Is at full sale every week. Then it's like 10 minutes from my apartment in Orlando. So that's nice. So the travel schedule isn't as hectic as Raw and SmackDown. But you all, you, there is a sense of urgency, the same sense of urgency on Raw and SmackDown. It's just different. I feel like it's way more stressful on Raw and SmackDown for some strange reason. But in NXT, it feels like home. And it feels like I'm very, very comfortable. So I think that's the biggest difference for me than the, 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 what I felt. Over there, it just feels very, I don't know. Like things, there's just a million people. There's literally a million people that I've never seen. I see new people all the time when I'm backstage at Raw and SmackDown. NXT is just like a family environment where I know everyone. So I think that's the biggest change. Looking around the, the NXT roster, you've got a lot of familiar faces. Obviously, not only since your time arriving in NXT, but back to the independent days. Um, what's it like, back to our earlier conversation, sort of sharing the locker room and sharing the, the platform with some guys and some familiar faces? I think that's the coolest thing is it's we've all been talking about this for so many years. Like you mentioned, we've known each other like 12 years. I've known a lot of the guys that are on the NXT roster for probably like 10 years as well. And it's all filled with guys who have talked about this moment, talked about making it to WWE and kind of doing what we do. And, and I think that's also the wildest thing is we're just doing what we do. It's not like any of us have changed that much. It's not like, we've had to be completely repackaged or retooled or renamed or anything like that. It's a lot of just us doing what we did on the Indies, doing it on national television, which is wild that I'm able to do that with guys I can consider friends, guys I consider very close to me. And that's what I mentioned about NXT being like a family. It's like that, I think, in our locker room as well. And that's, that's what I love the most about it. Let's see your point about this is just doing what we do, and everybody sort of had the same dream for the most part uh, to get to WWE. Now you find yourself a lifelong fan being able to work shoulder to shoulder with one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time. I know a personal favorite of yours, Shawn Michaels. Yeah, I literally just saw him like uh, like right before this interview. I, I said hey to him. So let me just stop uh, you there. How weird is that? That you just went to so work weird. today and, oh, so the, by the way, there's HBK. It's so weird. It's so weird now that I get text messages from Shawn Michaels asking me about like cookies. And I, I remember when I, I saw like Captain Marvel. I got like a text with like Captain Marvel thumbs up or thumbs down. Like he's asking me for like movie reviews now. <laughs> so it's just a, it's a weird life I live right now that I, I just talk to Shawn Michaels about cookies and, and movie reviews and life. I, me and Candace talk all the time about, is it going to be really weird one day when we have a child and I'm just like, Oh yeah, go, go play with your, your, your uncle, uncle Sean and uncle Hunter over there. Go, go hang out with them. <laughs> right. Go hang out with uncle DX over there and just, see him because i'm like yeah you know your, your dad used to dress like your uncle sean used to put on like a uh, very flamboyant attire and dance around his house a sexy boy no big deal now now this is him now 
uh, yeah, it's it's a weird life, man. But that's that's, that's that's I don't know. It leaves me speechless sometimes when I sit back and actually think about it. I think about the fact that that man was painted on my wall, and now he's just a text message conversation away. It's it's, it's wild, right? And I think we're all guilty of just forgetting to step back every once in a while and just pinch yourself and go, "Wait a minute, this is my life now. This is what we do, and and we we're in this in this world now." And and it's just kind of a crazy feeling when you when you look at it like in the big picture. For me, that's the thing I hope to never lose. I feel like the minute I lose that inner fan, I lose that inner child where I, I, I can sit back and remember how cool this is. Cause that's, that's for me that that's the biggest thing when I do like meet and greets or say like I'm at a hotel and, and there's kids waiting around the guardrail or if it's an early morning in the airport and people are coming up and giving autographs and stuff like that. I just always try to remind myself that I did this. Like I was standing there in that guardrail like that child is, or I was at this meet and greet, or I was standing in line to do this autograph signing. So I always try to remind myself of that. And I always try to think like, what would have made me have the coolest experience ever? And I just try to do that for them. (laughs) So I think the moment I lose that is the moment I shouldn't be doing this anymore. That's awesome. I, I'm guilty of, of all of the things that you are trying to avoid. Uh, it's usually my dad that, that brings me back into reality when I'll call him and, and vent to him. I'll never forget. I was in my car back in, in the NXT days, and I got into some disagreement of some sort with Dusty Rhodes, who you know was, was so, so integral to all of NXT. And oh, yeah. I called my dad to vent, and I'm going, damn it, dad, Dusty won't do this, or Dusty thinks this is bad. And my dad goes, stop. Listen to what you just said. You got in an argument with the American dream. And I went, yeah, I guess that kind of made your point for you. Um, all right, maybe I should just shut up and realize what the hell I'm doing with my life. So yeah, it's important to keep that perspective. But now to your point earlier about Sean, as close as you become on a personal basis, you still have to work in a professional capacity with him. Uh, what's it like having Sean as, as the coach slash mentor as opposed to the friend? For me, it always just feels like I have the best rusher of all time on on standby if I ever need an opinion. <laughs> so that's a pretty good problem to have. I think about it in that vein, too. If I was like so on the Indies and I was struggling with something, if I could just text Shawn Michaels and he could tell me the right answer, like, I, like that, that's my life now. I can actually do that. But being able to work side by side with him hand by hand and uh, what he's brought to NXT is just such a different vision. I've always been a fan of obviously 90 Shawn Michaels. That's what I grew up on. But as he got older and, and, and as his career progressed, he developed a different sort of style. And that was a style that like really kind of resonated with me. And the style I tried to do a bit on the Indies as well with the storytelling aspects being more movie-esque as opposed to professional wrestling. I, I definitely believe in the drama. I believe in the Shakespeare. I believe in all that sort of stuff that he brought to the table. And he was a big reason that that became popular. So he's kind of bringing it to NXT as well. And I've always had that mindset. So the timing just worked out to where I could go uh, side by side with him and kind of make those types of matches and those types of stories and those types of things come true. And he is like, he's the best of all time for a reason. He is very much so of the mindset that wrestling evolves, wrestling changes. Um, He's not one of these older wrestlers who sits back and says things need to be this certain way. And I found that the guys who are very, very successful, have that mindset. They aren't so dead set in their ways that they need to be, you know, they need to be right all the time. He's consistently learning and he's consistently growing. And he realizes him and Hunter both realize that wrestling in 2020 is way different than wrestling was say in 1995. 
So walk me through a typical afternoon at the Performance Center watching NXT footage, maybe your own footage, with HBK. See, so I'm not at the Performance Center as much as my Johnny Wrestling moniker would lead you to believe anymore. Stop it, Johnny. I'm trying to help you here. <laughs> yes, but seeing as seeing as, as uh, NXT is on TV on a weekly basis now, we have like travel live events as well. Like It's a much busier schedule now as opposed to before. So I am normally here just to get a workout in and things like that. So yes, I am still in this building. Before though, it was I was uh, fully entrenched into watching my matches back with Shawn Michaels on a weekly basis, which is again a dream come true, but also a nightmare in itself because I hate watching any of my own matches. I hate all of my own work. Uh, I, I I know a lot of people say like there's certain actors like that. I know Adam Driver's like that as well. Uh, but I just I don't like watching any of my own stuff. So to have to watch it back with my favorite wrestler of all time and my childhood hero is a bit of a nightmare. But like I said, he's very, uh, very open-minded. I think he's a little biased as well. Now because I've known him forever. So he probably just, uh, you know, tells me nice things now, but yeah. Uh, so, but a normal, like on a normal daily, on a normal basis, we would come in, we'd maybe get a lift in and then we'd sit down and watch professional wrestling with all these great minds at performance center, which is, you know, it's great. As much as I didn't appreciate them at the time, I miss a good skull session from time to time. Those were yeah, right. I, I, I'm not in them as much anymore. I'm not in them as much anymore, and I kind of miss them now. Yeah, it, it's amazing what you pick up and you didn't even realize it at the time until you go, why? Why do I know that? Oh, because I sat with Terry Taylor or whomever in a room, <laughs> and it, it, it's weird the things that resonate with you even at, at the moment you don't pick up on. I believe Terry Taylor has a skull session right now. It's going on currently right now in a conference room in this building I'm in right now. So you just come on, just fly on down to Orlando. You can catch, we can get one more in. Yeah. I remember when we were in the performance center and, and a lot of times we would be, we would dread skull sessions. And, and for those listening, a skull session is essentially a, a gathering of, you know, individuals, talent sitting with a coach or, or a, a dignitary as Dusty used to call them. Anybody coming in and kind of giving their perspective on what we're watching, whether it be critiquing a match or watching some of the greatest matches of all time and sort of breaking it down and and step by step and trying to pick out little idiosyncrasies that maybe were overlooked. And I remember uh, just dreading those days because it was like, well, I can watch wrestling at home on my couch. Why do I have to go there? And then and then you look back on the on the big picture and you go, man, I can almost pinpoint remembering when and who told me these these crazy things. So. And some of these classes too, like the amount of talent that are probably in a room at one time is mind boggling. Just from like, at one point it's there, Terry would have the finishing class and Sean has the finishing class as well. So it's all the, basically the top guys in NXT in a room together watching wrestling. I guess like the amount, the thing about NXT throughout the years. So the people that have been in these rooms and, and done those skull sessions is crazy. Absolutely. I I forget who I was talking to. I think it might have been Cesaro just having the conversation to to that exact same point about look at the the roster now from Raw, SmackDown, NXT, the amount of people we've shared locker rooms with over the years in the middle of nowhere USA or internationally. And we've all we've all kind of done it. You know what I mean? At the same time frame from Cesaro to Samoa Joe to Champa and yourself and, and Rollins. And I, I mean, we've done little independent shows with each other for forever. And it's just kind of, it's crazy to see how the whole business has evolved. And it's funny because I remember when I first started here, like I think like three to four years ago, uh, the beginners class with Robbie Brookside. So you always start when you start the PC, you always start at least for like a month in the beginners class. 
So the beginners class at the PC was like me, Tommaso, Alistair Black, Killian Dane, and like all of 205 Live. Like all these guys who've been wrestling for like over ten years, and we're just doing like learning, doing roles, and like we'd be in the class at Robbie Brookside. It's just it is wild to think about. It's absolutely insane when you put it all in perspective. Now, aside from having you know world class coaching and, and the benefits of skull sessions and, and reps, uh, what are some things you would credit your rise throughout NXT to? What what sort of contributed to your break, in your opinion? Man, I just say. You see, I, the, the advice I give to everyone when they start here at NXT, like there's a lot of guys, obviously we've talked about come from the Indies and they get signed and they come here and they do these, these sessions with coaches. And a lot of people have different opinions and they don't know them that well. And, and they kind of get lost where they're like, Oh, I don't know. One person's telling me to do this. One person's telling me to do that. One person's saying this, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I don't know. My, I don't know who I am anymore. And I have to always stop them. I, I consider myself the indie wrestling whisperer. Whenever there's a new indie wrestler that starts the PC, I always try to give them like the conversation, like, look, man, like, you know, what got you signed, you know, what got you over, you know, what got you noticed. So just do that and be you. And you can make little tweaks here and there along the way. And you can take their advice and filter it. It's almost like you need to have a basket and you need to take all the advice and throw it in the basket. And you need to pick out what you need at certain times. But at the end of the day, you need to be happy with yourself and you need to be yourself. That's when you're going to be organic. Um, so for me, it, it was so weird that when me and Tommaso first started here, we didn't come to PC. We were obviously on, we were like on the indies. So we, were, we weren't, weren't signed. We didn't have contracts. So we weren't in the skull sessions. So we were kind of just doing our indie thing on NXT TV and it got over and the people saw us do it and they're like, oh yeah, that. And that kind of developed a whole new kind of, style in nxt because the nxt we started in and the nxt did it today they are not the same at all no absolutely not you guys came way different in in sort of the interim from the the i hate to say old nxt but sort of the the, what was left over from the fcw days and sort of that class where we all did things a very particular way and then there was definitely an in-between period and then it sort of started the boom with the, the massive takeovers and whatnot and you guys were definitely in the in the interim part of it but do you feel like that's benefited you at all, sort of seeing the, the transition and being there through through the midst of all of it? I think so. I think that when, I, when we first started, like you mentioned, it was like the interim, because you always had that mindset where you need to do th- things a certain way. You need to do things the WWE way. Like we do do a, things a certain way around here to get you ready for Raw and SmackDown. And when we came along, it was almost like, why do we have to get ready for Raw and SmackDown? Why can't we just make this as good as freaking possible? Like, why can't we go out there and make NXT what everyone's talking about? I know, like, and people loved NXT back in the day. Don't get me wrong. Like, it was free and Finn and Bailey and Sasha and Charlotte. Everyone were tearing it up, and they, they made NXT what it is today. But I do think, like in anything, things need to evolve and things need to change. So I feel like really NXT changed when the first Cruiserweight Classic happened. I feel like that really affected NXT in the mindset where we did this, and then, like, the magic kind of opened up everyone's eyes, this whole new world of, like, oh, like, maybe we shouldn't just be doing, like, four-minute <laughs> matches all the time. Maybe we should do things like 20 minutes or 25 minutes or give these guys some real time to go out there and put in work. Yeah. And that's really what I think NXT became from that is they're like, oh, like, all these guys can go. Like, all these guys can 
freaking tear it up. Let's give them 25 minutes and see what happens. And then like that ruined what it is say. And then obviously me and Tommaso's story affected everything where like that long, that sort of long-term story kind of played out. It's just, it's so many different things happening and it's all just a timing thing with a lot of things, but yeah. Timing is everything, but you guys are definitely uh, still tearing it down on Wednesday nights. Uh, speaking of timing, I am going to invite you to play potentially the worst game in the history of entertainment. Oh, boy. Here on After the Bell, it is spawned from one of the worst segments in Monday Night Raw history that I was proudly a part of with one Sami Zayn. Oh, we the call- chair? Oh, yeah. See? You know where I'm going with it. I was just in Stanford, and I saw the chair. I went to the uh, the headquarters, and I went to the warehouse, and they pointed at it. You know what that is? Like, oh, that's the freaking chair. That's- <laughs> <laughs> so now, now that I know it exists, I'm going to make it my personal mission to make it become furniture in my home. I it want does that- exist. Okay, well, good to know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send a few messages after we get off the air today. Uh, so I have rechristened this in hopes of a fresh start and potentially less disastrous results. Johnny Gargano, you are in the electric seat. You will have one minute to answer the questions that I ask you as quickly and honestly as possible. If you win, you get to be best friends with Shawn Michaels. If you lose, Whoa. I guess you're probably still going to be best friends with Shawn Michaels. So Yeah, there you go. We're just going to give it a shot. One minute on the clock. Producers, please. Johnny, are you ready? Yes. Here we go. Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones? Oh, man. I'm going to go Attack of the Clones. Best video game controller of all time? Uh, I'm going to go with the Nintendo 64. Marvel or DC? Marvel. Come on. Can to take over gear and stuff? Come on. Marvel. <laughs> Even though I was more of a DC guy when I was younger, but Marvel. Lion King or Aladdin? Oh, geez, those are my two favorites. Oh, man, I'll go Aladdin. PlayStation 4 or Xbox One? Oh, PlayStation 4, for sure. Rocker Shawn Michaels or DX Shawn Michaels? I'll go DX Shawn Michaels. This is with the suckets and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you pick in Smash Brothers? Uh, I'll go Yoshi. Disneyland or Disney World? So my wife would kill me if I didn't say Disneyland, but I live near Disney World. And we're annual pass holders to both, uh, believe it or not. Uh, so I got married in Disneyland, so I'll go Disneyland. There you go. And Christian Bale or Michael Keaton? You there? <laughs> Did we lose him? I think we lost Johnny Gargano. I've offended him so deeply with my electric seat questions that uh, he may have banished himself permanently from after the bell. Johnny, I'll send you a text message to say thank you afterwards and come back. And Hello? Then you can... There you are. You're back. Yeah, I'm back. I don't know what's going on. Johnny, damn it. You hung up on me in the middle of the electric seat. See, I don't think I hung up on you. I think this is a, this is your thing. I think you you kind of messed up the system a little. But since you hung up on me, I think you were doing great when you did, so you win. You win the electric seat. I was killing it. I killed, the, I killed the hot seat, I think, or the electric seat or the... the Whatever it was, the rapid fire questionnaire (laughs) about nothing. Johnny, you were awesome at it. I suggest you change your nickname to Johnny rapid fire questionnaire about nothing. I can, I can talk to the merch people about that. I can put it on a t-shirt tomorrow. There you go. So uh, you, you mentioned getting married in Disneyland. Uh, Was that a mutual decision or do you just love your wife that much that you decided to do that? See, I wasn't much of a Disney person before I met Candace. I'd never been to Disney World. I'd never been to Disneyland, anything like that. But she grew up uh, going to Disneyland all the time. She grew up a big Disney person. Uh, so she just basically said, like, 
I asked her, I said, like, what would be your dream wedding? And she said she'd love to get married at Disneyland. And I said, well, let's just do it. Let's make it happen. So, I mean, it came down to that. Like, I, I, I enjoy Disney now because it's something we do together. It's something we share now. But before, I wasn't a big Disney person. Now, like, I'll go all the time. I feel I love my wife and because, you know, Disney. Right on. Well, uh, Johnny, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to call and chop it up here on After the Bell. Uh, continued success and luck in NXT, and we shall do this again in the near future. Thank you, buddy. Thanks for having me on. My next guest, without a doubt, the funniest person that I've ever had on After the Bell. That's not saying much because most of you hate me. Please welcome Ron Funches. How are you, Ron? <laughs> hey, Corey. Thanks for having me. I'll, I'll be the sugar to your spice. I appreciate it. I need some balance here. They put me in a room with a microphone all by myself and expect me not to get in trouble. I mean, I don't know who thought that was a good idea. No, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, you're a dark, troubled person. <laughs> <laughs> Only on camera. Only on camera. Um, so, Ron, you're you're... Obviously, a wildly talented, very busy dude doing your thing the Hollywood way. Uh, but you, like so many others, have a very, very strong passion for all things WWE and sports entertainment and pro wrestling beyond. We can say that on this show for now. Oh, I haven't gotten good. in trouble for that yet. But uh, <laughs> so, so, just g- give me a little Cliff's Notes version. What uh, what really draws you to to this form of entertainment? Oh, okay. I, I love to talk about it. Yeah, I've been a fan of, if you don't mind me, I will say pro wrestling. Please uh, do. Since, <laughs> Liberally. Pro wrestling since I was five years old. Um, I grew up in a, a single parent household raised by my mom and um, I had my sister and my aunt was there. So I just had a house full of ladies and it was a lot of like doing whatever they wanted to do, watching a lot of Lifetime movies, playing a lot of Pretty Pretty Princess. And my only kind of like escape from that was my uncle would take me, I lived in Chicago at the time, he would take me out to the Rosemont Horizon. And we would go see some house shows of uh, Hulk Hogan and uh, Ultimate Warrior and Earthquake and Junkyard Dog and stuff like that. And um, I just fell in love with it. And it was just like this great bonding experience I had with my uncle. And um, it's something that stayed with me my whole life. So you've taken, obviously, a different career path and done the, the Hollywood, the acting, comedy sort of thing. Uh, but I understand you also dabbled in uh, potentially becoming a wrestler yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, There's two things I wanted to be my whole life. I, I either wanted to be a comedian or I wanted to be a pro wrestler. And I was like, I got this comedy thing on lock. Everything is going great. I might as well try this other thing. And, and truthfully, a thing happened where a friend of mine passed suddenly. And, um, you know, when something like that happens, if it's, if it's, I hope it hasn't happened to you, but if it has, we know that kind of makes you take stock in your life and um, I just like, oh, there's a few things I want to try that I'm not getting any younger at. And I was like, I want to see if I would be, if I have any skills at all in pro wrestling. I just want to take a bump in a ring. I want to run the ropes. I want to see what it feels like since I watch so much and I talk so much trash. I want to know what it actually feels like. And I went in and I took to the Santino Brothers in Los Angeles and I went for three months. And uh, But I knew the first day I was out of my death that uh, comedy was much more, I was naturally gifted at comedy, uh, but wrestling hurt a lot. It was uh, I really, it gave me a lot of uh, res- respect because I was like, oh, it's it's acting, it's um, grappling, and it's like acrobatics. It's all these things mixed in one, and I'm, I'm just going to stick to the acting. What's more painful in your opinion, pro wrestling training or bombing on stage? 
Oh, pro wrestling training, for sure. I never had to soak in the tub for two hours after a bombing on stage. <laughs> uh, maybe for an hour. Maybe for an hour. But it just hurts. You, it hurts in your... Well, the best thing about bombing and, and stand-up is you, you get off stage and you go, oh, I'm still here. I'm fine. Like, it sucked. It didn't feel good to be rejected as a person. But I didn't... You know, I'm not bleeding. I'm not cut open. So, you know, I think that's e- easier. Was there a particular moment when you were going through training that made you realize, uh, okay, this isn't for me? Yeah, I wasn't in horrible shape. A big part of it is that I had taken control of my health. That um, I used to be about 360 pounds, and then um, I got my health together, and I lost over 140 pounds, and I was like, I want to see how far I can push my body and what I can do. And so we would do the the regular warm-ups, and I could kind of handle them. I would some, Sometimes I threw up, but I would make it through class. Uh, but one day, they just had us do squats together as a group, and they were like, well, you're not doing them in unison. 50 more, 50 more, 50 more. And they topped us off about 350 squats, and I was like, you know what? I think I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> My legs are on fire. I've had enough. Yeah, and then you still now you want to start rolling? No, thank you. <laughs> well, luckily for the fan in you, uh, your successful career uh, has opened some doors and, and led you into our little corner of the world. So much so that uh, Ric Flair, one of, if not the greatest of all time, recently did the intro for your special giggle fit. Yeah, it was a, tr- a real dream come true. I mean, I... Um I had special coming out and I wanted to separate myself because it was coming out on Comedy Central and it was going to be on Amazon. It's available now for like $5 or less in most most streaming places that are not Netflix. But the point is that I knew it wasn't coming out on Netflix, so I wanted to make sure it stand out. And I was like, maybe this might be my only chance of doing a special. What would I want on it? And I wanted a big intro and the biggest thing I could think was to do was to get one of my heroes and, and get Ric Flair on there and did it in like two takes and he nailed it. And then I, and my special i come out in my own custom rick flair robe made by one of your wwe tailors which was like, very happy to get to work with him and um i think it came out amazing it's i think a lot of people gave me a lot of great feedback on it the rock treated about it um it was amazing for me it was a real dream come true so ron looking across the the wwe landscape all you know raw smackdown nxt what's catching your eye right now what, what are you enjoying the most Oh, I mean, so many things are catching my eye. I love, I love the ascent that uh, I guess just Murphy, Murphy now is having. I, cause I've that's right. He lost his, his first name in a fire. Well, that's how you know that things are going well for you when things, when your name starts changing. That means people are paying attention to. You. Oh yeah, I still have a first and last name, so I still suck, obviously. <laughs> So, uh, but I've been a big fan of his long time so, since he was on NXT. And so uh, to see, because I think he's just so athletically gifted, such a great worker. And so I, I love seeing him get more shine. Um, I'm, I'm loving, uh, I mean, across the landscape, I've been a big fan of Piper Niven. Like, I think she's just a unique character. And so it's cool to, to see. I, I think there's just so many. And the bruiser, the bruiser, what the broser weights? Broser weights. Uh, it's yeah. funny, as you say that, Pete Dunn is on this screen he's been as is matt riddle there's four screens in my studio that just play the same clip on loop and they're about 10 second loops and i watch the same thing for hours on end to the point where i see them when i close my eyes and sleep so i will likely have broser weight dreams tonight no idea if that's a good or bad thing yeah it sounds like you live in purgatory Kurt, Corey, and I don't. <laughs> 
<laughs> Again, dark studio with just four screens playing the same things and a microphone in which to talk about. I feel like this is a plot. Someone's out to get me. They know I'm going to yeah. self-destruct. That's a rejected episode of The Good Place. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a dark, troubled person. <laughs> what, what, so tell me a little bit more about that beyond what you're watching. Uh, what sort of experiences have you been enjoying or, or lucky enough to have within our business lately? Oh, I mean, some great things like uh, I had Rick Flair on my special and then his wife and him were lucky enough that are gracious enough, I should say, to invite me to his birthday party, which was an amazing event. That's where I saw like you can see the true effect of pro wrestling and, and something like his birthday party, because it's something that like people still make fun of all the time or you either get it or you don't. I talk about it a lot in my stand up. And a lot of times when people I get started, people are groaning or like want to make fun of it. And it's just like when I went to Rick Flair's birthday party and I see like mayors and senators and football players and rappers and Vander Holyfield. And, and you're just like this man affected a lot of people through his talent that a lot of people take for granted and um that just really opened my eyes for me and, and I, I had a just had a great time there it was and i got to meet dennis rodman and he was he was weird <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy how wrestling brings people from all walks of life together and i think we're starting to see it more so with our generation because you could argue in the late 90s early 2000s when the business was as hot as it's ever been Everyone was a fan. It became pop culture, Americana. You had Stone Cold and The Rock and the Attitude Era. And now we've all kind of grown and we've all kind of started carving our own paths in life, whatever that may be. But I find that that wrestling's become a lot more acceptable and relatable, much like comic books or, or anything that was sort of maybe maybe frowned upon at any point in your life. Now it's very common. I've got friends in so many different industries that have nothing to do with pro wrestling other than have been being fans. You know, whether it be guys in bands or, or you know, uh, it, it comic, shout out to H&M at Marvel, who, you know, takes care of all of us. It's funny how it's it's sort of become acceptable because everyone in our generation doesn't, it doesn't look abnormal anymore. It's kind of like, yeah, it's just that thing that we do. Yeah, I think in, in a lot of ways, just cause you grow up on it. It's a lot of, we're the generation that grew up on these things of video games. And I mean, comic books was a little bit older of a generation, sure. but that unites people and there's nothing negative in that you know when you love something and you're interested in something and you want to know all about something that's that usually means that you have like a knowledge or an intelligence about you and it kind of leads you down this different path from other people who kind of just general about things you know uh so i that's one thing i i think unites all those fandoms and what i love about pro wrestling in general and then i, I think i trailed off <laughs> <laughs> Don't go anywhere. More with Ron Funches in just a second. You flew halfway, or would it be the whole way around the world, to uh, watch a particular event in January? Yes, yes. I went to the Tokyo Dome in Japan um, for many reasons. I'd gotten engaged in November, and we thought we should celebrate that. And I'd always wanted to go to Japan. I'm a big fan of wrestling, big fan of, um, you know, anything comic book, anything video game related. Um, but when I knew that Jushin Thunder Liger was retiring, and that hit me in all my nerd centers of, like, growing up watching him and Brian Pillman, just being a fan of, of when I was a kid and seeing him being like, that is a live-action Power Ranger, right. you know? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and so when I knew he those were going to be his last two matches, and I had the uh, the time off and the means to go, I, I had to go, and it was, it was a dream come true because I've gone to so many wrestling events, but there's nothing quite like the Tokyo Dome and the way that they kind of just sit there respect there, there's yeah, the so many people yeah yes. the reverence they have for, for the sport the sport over there it's still looked at as more of the sport than anything and i it's absolutely crazy i was lucky enough to do a tour over there i did some death matches over there a long time ago many moons ago um which was not in the tokyo dome and was not in front of forty thousand people but the the culture itself i had a, a crazy appreciation for i definitely fell in love with it but to your point about liger that's another one man i remember him and brian pillman and, and his whole run in wcw and when liger did takeover in brooklyn a few years ago uh, i got to call it and i remember sitting ringside thinking what the hell has happened to my life i am in brooklyn New York calling a Jushin Thunder Liger match, and he's wrestling my friend Tyler Breeze. It was just like one of those weird, what the hell's happening moments, but it was really cool. Oh, I understand that just when you know you're, you've made right decisions and the, the putting yourself out there has been worth it. And I had that same type of feeling. I, um, my, my fiance looked over me at the Tokyo Dome, and I'm you know almost damn near in tears in my eyes because I'm like, I've wanted to be here since I was 10 years old. And I'm sitting here and I'm watching Jushin Thunder Liger. And I'm watching Hiromu. And I'm watching all these people who I watch all across the globe. I'm hearing J- the Japanese women screaming in my ear. <laughs> and it's like, it was a dream come true. I loved it. Yeah, it's it's important to just take take note of what you get to accomplish. I, I get that still from time to time. Like anytime I get to call an Undertaker match or even Goldberg, when Goldberg first came back to me, I was never even a huge Goldberg fan as a kid, but just knowing what he meant to that time period that really solidified my fandom, I, I still get those goosebumps thinking about it. And there's, there's nothing cooler than when the glass broke in Madison square garden and stone cold came walking out. And, and I all of a sudden was, you know, 12 years old again. It was crazy. Working in entertainment kind of gives you this more relevance for like, because now I'm like, there's people who I didn't love in comedy that I love. Like, I love Dane Cook. I love all these people. I love anyone who's bringing more eyes to what I'm trying to do, because if they become a fan of them, then it makes, maybe they'll become a fan of comedy and then it gives them a closer to become a fan of me. So I just kind of started looking at it that way and stopped being like, oh, why don't the people I like, or why aren't they always the most successful, you know? Uh, a personal question. Uh, who who are your favorites in comedy right now? Oh, thank you for asking. Um, there's going to be a, probably a few people who you know and who you don't know. Um, there's this gentleman named Andrew Santino. Um, he is amazing. He's a great comedian. He's got his new show coming out on FX uh, with this rapper named Lil Dicky. And he is one of the best comedians working today. Just real, like, um, personal stuff, but also, like, just some type of just flat out rude stuff. Like he's just amazing at comedy. Um, I grew up just loving Dave Chappelle and, and people like um, Mitch Hedberg. Yes. And Lucille, Lucille Ball. Those are my biggest influences in my comedy. And uh, Dave Chappelle still is one of my biggest influences. He's still untouchable um, right now. <laughs> he is. He's amazing. He's uh, it's fun what he can say and, and um, this, the skill set he has. And one of my favorite things is when, Someone is whether it's music, wrestling, comedy is when someone has this, such a tremendous skill set that they can like kill and it just looks like they don't care, you know? Right. <laughs> effortless, absolutely yeah. effortless. Yep, yeah, not even just effortless, just like they're like at home, like they're yeah. just like, I don't care if you're here or not. Yeah, 
who are some of your favorites? I am a uh, I'm a massive Bill Hicks fan. Oh, cool! Yeah, I love Bill Hicks. One of his um, best friends um, growing up is a gentleman named Dwight Slade, and um, he was one of my mentors when I started in Oregon. Um, but yeah, I'm Bill Bill Hicks fan since I start before I started. Yeah, very. And I and I right now I'm a I'm a massive fan of Anthony Jeselnik. Oh yeah, I love Anthony. He's I like a great his guy. his ability to just go as far off the deep end as possible and still make it funny. I, I admire that sort of freedom. Yeah, because he's got a good heart. There's a difference between... There's people who say that and it sounds like hate speech. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's just it's all in the delivery, man. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a master of it right now. But, uh, yeah, man, I could sit here and talk comedy with you all day, but I know you are a busy man. Where uh, can the After the Bell listeners find Ron Funches in the near future? Oh, you can find me. I have a game show coming out on a platform called Quibi. It's called Nice One. Uh, it'll be out this spring. You can check me out on that. Um, if you could take your kids to go see Trolls World Tour, where I am Cooper in that, um, that's a pretty good franchise. People like that. You, I do stand-up all over the world, and uh, mostly America and Canada. <laughs> <laughs> But Close you enough. Go to my, yeah, go to and you can find out about that. And I have a great podcast called Getting Better, where I just talk to people about their path of getting better at life and their craft or whatever they're working on. I've had uh, people from like from your neck of the woods, Kathy Kelly, Stone Cold Steve Austin, have been on my show, and uh, Conan O'Brien. It's been it's a it's a pretty cool podcast. It's it's um, it's pretty optimistic, aspirational, so I don't know if it's for, for your darkness story, but... <laughs> <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth, man. I was going to offer and went, eh, I don't know, man. I might sink the ship. But I think you'd be, actually, you'd be a really good guest on there because um, I don't know if, if, if you've talked a lot or people have given you enough credit for, um, you know, the shift that you've made in your life from, you know, being an active wrestler to being a, such a great commentator and great uh, just utility man all across the board for what you do. You work so hard. I remember um, you probably don't see me, but I was um, I was with. I'm a big friends with X-Pac, and so I was hanging out with him for when he was gotten to the duct into the Hall of Fame. And I saw, I think you worked 27 shows that that weekend. That sounds that accurate. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds and about right. Just watching, I, I was I was paying attention, and I was watching, and I was very impressed with how you were able to maintain your 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 cool and maintain your um your head and. And assuming what must have been at some points being very frustrating. So um, I would love to talk to you sometime in my podcast. Hey, man, you say the word. I'd be happy to do it. I appreciate your time, Ron. Thanks for calling in, man. You're always welcome. And uh, keep in touch with me. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Alas, our time together this week on After the Bell is winding down, which means it's time for me to impart some wisdom. It's not my wisdom. It's just more general wisdom. If you don't agree with it, then it's not wisdom at all. But these are words that I searched diligently for on my cell phone with my producers prior to this recording so that I can leave you on somewhat of a high note. The man who said it is Alan Watts. And he said, the only Zen you'll find on mountaintops is the Zen you bring up there with you. I can relate. I want to thank Ron Funches and Johnny Gargano for being my guests today. Fun chats. Fun to talk about wrestling when it makes you happy. I'm much happier this week than I ordinarily am. Maybe it's because I've taken to these damn vitamin IV drips. 
they tell me it'll make me happier. To be honest, it just makes me pee a lot more. Uh, follow at After the Bell on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Use the hashtag After the Bell. If you're using your Android, follow ATB on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pandora, or the podcast app of your choice so that you never, ever, ever miss an episode. Subscribe to After the Bell. Please throw me five stars on Apple Podcasts. Get the word out. Look at it this way. If you don't like the show, but you still give me five stars and then say bad things about me, more people will likely read your review rather than if you give it one. Hmm. Backwards professional troll-ish right there. Follow me at WWE Graves if you want. If not, I don't care. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. I'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell. This has been an original WWE podcast.